0: What I'm going to talk about this morning is perspective. I've been thinking about this series for a while and what I wanted to say and do. I even got a whiteboard so I'd look studious or whatever. Um, I'm not going to write anything on it. I just thought I'd leave it there. So, you know, there's a lot that could go on this board. Just fill it with your imagination. Uh, But the idea of perspective is one that I think has always intrigued me. You know, perspective is the capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. And and perspective is what allows a person to move in a direction that is beneficial to their life. And you see it. In so many areas, I was reading this story about a man in China who lost both of his hands in a fishing accident. They said a fishing explosion, so I don't know what kind of fishing that was. (laughs) Drop dynamite in there and blow the fish up. I don't know, but there was this explosion and he lost both of his hands. And what he did is over the next eight years in this remote village, he made prosthetics for his hands that he uses and he still fishes and he still, they show him feeding his grandbaby with these prosthetic hands and they were pretty cool looking for this guy living out in nowhere. And and you think of the other person who has an injury of that magnitude and they lose all hope and they give up and they end up becoming addicted to drinking because they just can't cope with the tragedy. And you think, well, what happened? What's the difference between these two people? How could this person push forward and be creative and innovative and develop this prosthetic for himself out in the backwoods of China? I don't know if they're backwoods in China, but you know what I mean. And this other person just give up. Or a person who's gone through abuse, been abused. And then their life becomes one that continues that abuse process. And then there's the other person who is an advocate against abuse. And how they see their future and what they see of themselves, that perspective will determine what their life will be. And so perspective in these areas are so important and more so, I think, in the area with God. When we start to look at God and see what is our perspective in relationship with God and how do we see that. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start here. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understood that the universe was formed out of God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If anyone comes to God, they have to have this perspective, that first of all, he exists. And not only does he exist, but he rewards those who earnestly, diligently seek him. I think it's interesting that it says, if anyone comes to God, they have to first believe that he exists. And you would think that's obvious, right? Well, of course you got to believe that he exists. How do you come to him if you don't believe that he exists? But I think a lot of people have a belief in God that really is so absence of substance that it's almost like not believing in anything. And that's why he connects this who believe in God, not only believe in him, but believe that he actually rewards, that he is interactive with those who will earnestly diligently seek after him. And and so our perspective of God is really important that we have the right attitude and understanding about who God is and how that affects our lives. You know, there's a lot of people who don't believe in God. They they don't believe there's a God. I'm actually going to write Oh man, spelling is not required here, okay? Just to let you know. So there's a lot of people who believe there is no God. That was an easy one. As opposed to people who believe there is God. And those things change how they live their lives. Your belief in God should have an effect in how you believe in God and how you interact with the world around you, as opposed to those who, who don't believe in God. And when we believe in God, what we're believing is that this world that we live in is created or creative, okay? God is creative, and so we're a part of this creative aspect of what God has done. If you don't believe in God, then what you're believing is this is deterministic. And what that means is everything has been determined, term i gotta look at my spelling maybe if i write small enough you can't read it <laughs> and what it means by deterministics is cause and effect so one aspect perspective is that god has created the world we live in and this is a creative act the other is this is an accident it's deterministic it's also you could say mechanical Or mathematical, some uh, atheists, prominent atheists today would say it's all mathematics. It's all a matter of mathematical equation. Everything can be reduced to a mathematical understanding. And so this view of no God, this perspective of life, doesn't have with it this understanding of responsibility it doesn't have this understanding of importance if everything is just random then we don't have purpose if we think we do it's really just an illusion where if we believe that this is creative we also believe that it's dynamic in other words it's living it's active that's an n I'm so nervous spelling, I can't tell you why. And we also believe it's relational, relational to God himself. We, We believe that God has created, that God is involved, and so this is a relational aspect that's taking place between us and God, that he is interactive, that there is a cause that determines what happens, and that cause is God, as opposed to everything is just an accident. And if you think there's purpose, really you're just having an illusion. And and there's motives behind what people believe. We react on the basis of what we're experiencing. Some of the probably more prominent atheists, Sam Harris is one who has uh, promoted the idea that everything we do is motivated by fear. And so it's the fear of exist or extinction that drives us to try and propel ourselves forward. It's the, the fear of starvation that teaches us how to go and you know work the land and those things. And so basically, we don't believe in God, but we're driven by this fear. As opposed to those who believe in God believe we are driven by love. In other words, the reason we continue is because God is love and we want to love. Even as Boy was sharing in that, you know, uh, spoken word about Abigail, it, it was this endearing and this loving term. And so one aspect is driven by fear. The other is driven by love. And these are two perspectives that we have that determine how we're going to live our lives. And the application of this and the implication of this is huge in what it results in. See, if life doesn't have meaning, if it's just deterministic, if it's mechanical, if it's mathematical, if we are driven by fear, then when we become afraid of something like you're pregnant, and oh no, I wasn't planning this pregnancy, well, a decision can be made and it can be, well, I'm going to have an abortion Why? Because I'm afraid of what this is going to do to me and there isn't a real purpose, there isn't a real value of life and so the decision isn't a big one. But if we are created by God, if there is a dynamic interplay between God, if we are relational and if love is the motivation, then even if we're pregnant by accident, I guess you could say, weren't planning that pregnancy... It's not without purpose. It's not without importance. It's not without meaning. And so in this side, life becomes very valuable. Where on the other side, life is something that there's no cause, or there's no reason for the cause. It's just cause and effect. So what we do just plays out in however we want to see these things. And it's important that if, we recognize that it will affect the life we choose. Our dynamic relationship with God will be affected by how dynamic that relationship is. You see, when we believe that God is not just an energy, but God is a person, and when we say a person, we don't mean person like human being, but we're talking about he is seen in the qualities that we have as people you know the reason that we desire intimacy is because god is love the reason that we want to have purpose in our life is because god is intentional those are the things that show and give a result of who god is and how that plays out in our lives but even the people who don't believe in god have this understanding of some kind of intelligence that there is something going on that brings order into the world that we live in. And it's interesting because they'll even use the word God many times, even though they don't believe in God the way we do, to describe what happens. I read this interesting quote from Stephen King where he talks about his belief. He says, I choose to believe in God. I mean, there's no downside to that. If you say, well, okay, I don't believe in God. There's no evidence of God. Then you're missing the stars in the sky and you're missing the sunrises and sunsets. And you're missing the fact that bees pollinate all these crops and keep us alive the way that everything seems to work together. Everything is sort of built in a way that to me suggests intelligent design. And so that's His representation, and a lot of people feel that way. How is it that plants produce what we need, oxygen? And how is it that we produce what plants need, carbon dioxide? How is it that the soil in the ground contains the nutrients that the plants need to be able to develop and produce food that will sustain us? All these things are working together. And so in this area here, this idea of some kind of intelligent design, you know, you can have the idea of, well, it's just a force, right? Luke. And so there's a force, there's some kind of force. Now, the great thing about a force or this kind of energy is that it doesn't require anything of your life. It's not demanding. It's just there. And so the force doesn't have obligations for you. It's not something that is required of you. It's not requiring you to act a certain way, behave a certain way. In fact, there's nothing like that. It's amoral, without morals. And so you can pretty much live how you want, but acknowledge some kind of created force, and it doesn't have any input into your life. But on the other side, with God, if we believe that God is caring, that he is not just an energy, that he is aware, then it affects us very much. You see, we are humans and reflective of the personhood of God. The reason we long for love is because God is love. The reason we desire meaning is because God has intention. The reason we have hopes and dreams is because God is creative. So on this side, where God is unaware, God is amoral, on this side, we would have to say that God is awake. He's paying attention, like all of you should be doing right now. He is aware. He knows what's happening. And He is moral. That he's actually involved with us. Now, the upside of this is that God cares. The upside of this is that God is involved. You see, the downside of a God who is amoral, a God who is not involved, is that he doesn't care, he's not compassionate. God is not kind or merciful. God doesn't care about your dreams because he's an it. And so there's no personal involvement in your life with an it, with the force. Whereas here, God is involved, God is concerned, God does care. Now the downside, if you want to call it of this, is If God is involved, then he cares. And if God cares about us, that means he has an opinion. I'm not going to bend down, so I'm going to write it up here again. God has an opinion about you, about your life, about what is right and about what is wrong. And if God has an opinion, then What he does is involve himself and maybe your life is in some place where he says, I have created you, but it wasn't to live like that. It wasn't to act like this. We all have opinions, whether it's in sports, whether it's in family, you know, it's fun to be watching a game with somebody and who's an armchair quarterback. Oh. He shouldn't have done that. Oh, why didn't he pass the ball? Oh, why didn't he do this? Everyone's got an opinion of what they should have done. We have opinions with children. The kids that we should, you know, how they should do it. And it's easy to have opinions about someone else's kids, right? They should spank that kid. (laughs) They should be nicer than my child. We have opinions of how things are supposed to be done, how people are supposed to engage with one another. And God has an opinion about how we are supposed to live. And you see, that becomes invasive. But what we have to recognize, if we want a God who is awake, who's aware, who's moral, who actually cares... Then we have to have a God who has an opinion and a voice into our lives. And so now the question to us is, and the perspective we want to look at is do you want a God who has a voice in your life or not? Or do you want an it? The it is convenient because the it's like jello, you can mold it. To what you want it to be, it's clay. Right now I want God to be beautiful. Okay, God is beautiful. Right now I want God to be this. And whatever you feel like God becomes, because it's just a matter of what you desire, what you want, you kind of play it like you want it. But it has no say in your life. And it really gives you no purpose. Most of us want a God who cares a God who is love, a God who is involved and is passionate, but we have a hard time with a God who has an opinion. And if we have a God that has no opinion, then we're gonna find ourselves with a God who actually does not care, a God who is impersonal, a God who is uninvolved. So what does this God look like? How do we get a clear perspective on who God is, what his opinion is about us, about life, about the things that matter. Well, that's where we kind of talk about Jesus and who Jesus is. I mean, it's important that we understand some of the things that Jesus claims and us being followers of Christ, this is what guides and directs us. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God Believe also in me. And so there is this connection. You believe in God? Well, you can believe in me like you believe in God. He also said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so Jesus is claiming to be God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14 of John 1, and the Word became flesh and had its dwelling among us. And so for us, our opinion of God as followers of Christ are seen or revealed completely in the person of Jesus. And so now to understand who God is, we can see in Jesus the characteristics of God, how God loves, how God judges, how God feels. And so now God has flesh and bone that we can see and understand in the person of Jesus Christ. And so it gives us this kind of clarity. But there are a lot of religions. There are a lot of beliefs out there. How do you know yours is right? What if there is a different opinion? And the thing with religions, all religions are telling us is that something is wrong. Right? Religion is telling us that we need to do something to get in touch with life, the purpose of life, with, with who God is. And that's why in every culture, in every place in the world, there are religions. And all these religions are asking us to basically find out the meaning of life. And so they give us ideas, instructions, whether it be, you know, Islam, uh, giving us a path to God, whether it be Buddhism, uh, a path to higher consciousness, whether it be uh, Mormonism, a path to become God himself or a God. Uh, Religion is, is telling us that something is wrong and we need to do something to get to this place of understanding life or God. And so all these religions are telling us we got to do something. Something is not right in the world we live in. And so they start telling us what to do, how to follow in these things to get a hold of this. And so what religions are basically are giving us maps. Maps to find the path, maps to understand, maps to give us insight into the meaning of life. Have you ever been lost and needed a map? I remember when I was driving up north to Sacramento and was learning to do some dog training. It was before I had a GPS. And I'm I'm terrible with directions. I just the other day, Corrine and I were driving, and I had my GPS, and I just ignored her. <laughs> the GPS, not Corrine. I, I just See, if I I need someone telling me what to go, where to go, you know, I just, I can't trust myself. And so if my wife isn't telling me, I have the voice on my GPS, you know, and she tells me what to do, I just say, yes, dear, and and I drive wherever I need to go. And I just ignored it, and I was just, I don't know, I was heading west. And I missed the off-ramp, and all of a sudden, like, where am I going, what am I doing, (laughs) Well, when I was going up to Sacramento, I had no GPS, I had no map, I just had some written instructions, but once I got off of that written pla, you know, paper, I didn't know where I was. I had to go somewhere to meet someone, and after I got to that place to meet someone, I didn't know how to get back to where I needed to be. And so I'm driving aimlessly. I'm just, okay, I know this street because it was on my map. I'll just drive until maybe I hit that street or this street or this street. Okay, how stupid is that, right? I'm just driving trying to find three streets in a city. Maybe I'll run into one of them. One's got to go north, one's got to go west and south. I got to find this street somewhere. And so finally, you know, after four hours or so, I, I pull over and I ask directions, because I'm a guy. i got no sense of direction. And so I ask someone, hey, do you know where this street is? Because if I get to this street, I can find where I need to go. And the guy says, yeah, go up to, you know, Western turn right till you hit electric. And then by that time, I'm like, "Ah," you know, because my attention is just like one street. (laughs) Okay, I can go one street, but if you tell me more than one street, I'm already confused. Because I'm thinking, where's their Starbucks? I'm thinking, I'm thinking something else, and so I get lost before you even get me to the next direction. So this person tells me, yeah, go here, go to this street, go to this street, and I'm like a deer in the headlights, and I I don't want to say, can you say that again, because I should have written it down, but I didn't, and I feel stupid, and so I'll say, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, he said this way, so I'll start going this way, and then, I don't know where I'm at. So I pull over again. This time it didn't take four hours because I'm getting closer. <laughs> and every street I get to, I'll get closer. And I ask someone, can you get me to this street? Or I ask actually a car that was there next to me, hey, do you know where this street is? And the guy says, yeah. He goes, tell you what, follow me. Yes. You see, what religions are doing are saying, you need to go here, you need to go here, you need to go here. And what Jesus does is say, follow me. And that person was my savior. (laughs) He was sent from God. He led me to the street. Okay, I know where I'm at. And that's what's taking place with the person of Christ. Turn with me to John chapter 14 starting at verse one jesus says do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in god believe also in me my father's house has many rooms if that were not so would i have told you that i wait excuse me father's house has many rooms if that were not so would i have told you that i am going there to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back And take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas, thank God for Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Thomas is saying, Jesus, give us a map. We don't know where you're going. What are you talking about? I don't want to miss this. This is important what street am I supposed to turn on where am I supposed to go how Jesus we don't know where you're going we need the map and Jesus answered and said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you really know me you will know my father as well from now on you do not know from now on you do know him and have seen him And so where all these religions are saying, go here, do this, this is the way you have to to live your life, what Jesus is saying, I am the map. You want to know God, know me. In fact, now you have seen him. And so now God has a definite expression. And if we want to know how God feels about a person who is involved with sin. We can look at Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. If we want to know how Jesus or God feels about a person who is Self-righteous, we can look at Jesus and his dealings with the Pharisee. If we want to know how God feels about people who are lost, we can see Jesus looking at the multitude as sheep without a shepherd or weeping over Jerusalem saying, how long I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. If we want to know what God is all about, we look at the map. And that's Jesus. And he doesn't tell us go here, doesn't tell us go there. He says, follow me. And so in the weeks to come, as we look at our perspective, one of the things that we're going to do is keep this perspective in mind. How do we know the will of God? We're going to look to Jesus. Because he is the revelation of God made clear for us so that we can understand who God is, how He feels, what He cares about, and His desire for our lives. Because if our perspective on God is wrong, then it's like a broken GPS, it's like an out of date map book. That street isn't on here. This doesn't make sense. And we will find ourselves lost, without purpose. This is just mechanical. This is just cause and effect. This has no purpose. This has no meaning. And our lives are now driven by fear instead of driven by love. And so perspective is going to be an important thing in understanding who God is and the things that God wants for our lives. As we talk about this, and as I'm bringing this understanding of perspective and God and perspective and Jesus, I want us to ask ourselves a question. Do we want a God in our lives who's dynamic and who cares and who is awake and who, is, and who has an opinion about how you live your life. Do you want that? Because if you do, the question then is, what voice are you going to allow God to have in your life? When Jesus speaks... What importance are we going to place on what he says? When God reveals truth to us in Scripture, what prominence are we going to give? Are we going to switch? Yeah, I want a God who cares. Ah, not that much. Don't, don't mess with my addiction. I want a God who, who loves me. Ah, but yeah, don't tell me how I'm supposed to love. What voice is God going to have in your life? What voice do you want him to have? Because if you can see that he cares, then you have to make a choice if you want him to speak. Because in the weeks to come, we're going to ask him to do just that, to speak into our lives and give us clear direction so that we won't be the person who has tragedy befall us and then becomes paralyzed, but we will be the person who sees there's purpose beyond the difficulties in life because our God is involved, he's dynamic, he's creative, and he loves us. Let's pray. Lord, we take for granted so many times the things that we have been taught or our belief, perhaps even in you. And so we know things that we've heard, but our ears aren't really listening to your voice. And I pray that you would help us to have the right perspective in who you are and in what we believe, lest we become a people with a belief that becomes shallow and void of reality, Unless we become people who want to pay tribute to you with words but not with life. And so I ask that you would give us understanding not only of who you are, but of what place we are going to give to you. And Lord, I hope that we would give you the place you deserve, that we would allow you the voice and the opinion, and we would value that opinion, and that it would shape our lives by your love. That the decisions we make will be made because you have given us direction. You have told us, follow me. And we have certainty because we didn't have to find you, but you found us. I pray that would bring hope to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.